0: That's the biggest difference that I think in everywhere else I've at least been exposed to and worked is we still go out there and train as realistically as we can, you know, and and it's fucking, everything's dangerous as hell. But we do those things because we're not, we're not training to, to, to worry about if we're going to fail, if we fail and as a collective, then we, that's an opportunity to change something. And then as an individual, you know, that's also an opportunity for you to change something individually. You just can't make it a trend.
1: Hey, guys, if you missed out on the last conference in Nashville, Tennessee, you don't want to miss out on the next one. It's April 28th through May 3rd, Orlando, Florida, the Gaylord Palms Resort and Convention Center. You made a mistake missing the last one. You don't want that to happen again on this one. Five days of some of the best training you're ever going to experience packed into one event. We have an early bird special right now, $50 off. Use 24 early bird on our website, streetcop.com. Look for the conference, click the link, register today. If you want to get significantly better at this profession in five days, don't dare miss out on the 2024 Street Cop Conference. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the Street Cop Training Podcast. I'm your host, founder and CEO of Street Cop Training. My name is Dennis Bonino. And we have Kyle Morgan today returning for his second time on the podcast. Really good episode. Really deep, really sentimental. And it's just amazing to get to this level with a gentleman who's done so much for our country. He was a Delta
0: Force operator, a Green Beret.
1: Got it all. He's done such amazing shit. He continues to do great work for the world. Hope you enjoyed this episode.
0: I've been going nonstop the past couple of weeks, but it's been good. I'm, at, I'm back home for a few. I'm back home for for a hot minute, so... Um, no, I'm looking forward to some, some time back on the summer. The kids. It's just been busy with, with the active shooter training. I do. And obviously schools are out. So it's been kind of prime time for, for bigger schools to, to bring, bring blue bearing solutions in. So
1: how's that business been going?
0: Good, good, man. Just, uh, slow, slowly, uh, slowly scaling it, you know, taking things on, bring, you know, the, I will say that. The law enforcement side of it, which is, you know, the primary number or the number one, you know, if I, if there was a market, cause it is a for-profit, right. But it, if there was a market, it's for the patrol officer, it's for the off-duty, you know, part-time SWAT guy, um, right place, right time, right person. That's who, that's who I'm, you know, trying to access and train and more specifically like the SROs even, which they as a whole have a, a an extremely bad, uh, rap. Or maybe not even a bad rap just they got to have the right people in those positions and they don't so yeah. um i have when i went um to beeville texas in south south texas it's just about an hour or two south of san antonio Fucking hot as shit, during the, the july um i was i was blessed to be to be a part of that which was to me it's like if you could bottle that up the, the ISD, the Independent School District Police Department there, the ch- Chief Gomez and, and the team he's built, um, it, they they train like once a week at, together as a team. They have, you know, eight to nine officers and, you know, say five schools. So they always have like two or three kind of floating and they spend about a year or two at each school when they rotate them. So they all know the ins and outs of, of, of all these schools. And um it really was, um, refreshing for me as a trainer to come in and for the attitude they had, like their aptitude, their ability to apply the information that I'm putting down. They already had a really great base. Um, so it was a really fun event to execute. I wish I could bottle that up, man, and and put it down on, on every school district out there. I really do. If, if we were able to do that, at least the response piece would be, um, standardized across the country.
1: I mean back to the same thing, no different than these bullshit solutions to serious problems. We know that you know that gun control is not going to control guns. It's not how it works because people can make guns on their computers. That's real technology. So the criminals aren't listening to your legislation you're proposing, you dumb fucks. However, I would like to see some real solutions where we take government allocated funds. And maybe use them for stuff that protects our children. Wouldn't that make some sense? But it falls on deaf ears because it doesn't push a liberal left-wing agenda. And so in the interim, because these lunatics are able to make decisions on our behalf, people die. And I remember years ago, after quite a few school shootings had occurred, it was proposed that they should hire veterans to work at these schools um, with AR-15s. And they already have tactical training. They know how to respond to some stuff. And you got all these people who need jobs. And people would say, well, there could be a problem with that at some point. I mean, there's a problem with everything at some point, but there's probably a bigger solution that is a problem. So I am all for the fact that you are going out and doing this fantastic work that's meaningful, that in many ways may very well save a child's life, yeah. at least another human being's life.
0: That's what I, mean. I, I, um, there's a couple of things you bring up there. And I the, I will touch on the veterans thing that you, you spoke on. But you know, the, I think if if we all can just for one establish this as a we problem, like as a society, it is a, it truly is a we problem. So I don't care if, if you're the guy that can step up and be that protector, or if you're the one helping, you know, resource or facilitate or support, you know, these types of initiatives, but, you know, we got to do something. And, you know, If you look back since 1999 since columbine you know they stood up alert they stood up uh ntoa national Tactical officers association all because of the you know you had you had people bleeding out two to four hours after the the shooters and like killed themselves you know and that's because they the tactic was to surround and and you know, call out or or, or bring in the, the tactical teams and right, contain and have this perfect yeah, contain and have this perfect, you know, takedown. And and the reality of it is is like that's changed. You know, it, that's changed the way that the, the you know the officer's response should be. And you know, I just feel like there is some some fantastic standard procedures and, and protocols verb from a verbiage perspective from like spoken words to actions you know from lockdown procedures and but there is no standardization across the country because each state you know whether it's an eight-hour powerpoint is and they've now sufficed their their rapid response rapid deployment training um it's not enough i'm not trying to come in and and take over as the standard you know uh response training, you know, Blue Baron can't do that. I don't want to scale my company to do that, but I want to augment what's already out there. And that's what I've, I've been working really hard at refining my curriculum. And, and, you know, just coincidentally, I, as I've built my curriculum, I, I, through time and, and different networking, I've been able to access other curriculums out there, like alert specific specifically. And it's, my curriculum is really no different. It's just I bring my experience to how I execute the scenario-based training piece of it. And I, and I apply hostage rescue tactics and techniques, whether you're solo two up, three up, four up responding, but convergence onto a scene is the primary, you know, kind of effort, um, that I'm putting out there. And then the movements that you can make with confidence. Um, but, you know, empowering people to, to, to respond and take action as, as protectors. And if you just think about, you know, the way, cause I had this epiphany and it's, I guess it's not really an epiphany, but it, it's, I, it's how I'm living my life. Like trying to put God at the front of everything I do and then the children behind me. And that's how I'm trying to live my life and my actions are now matching my words. And I am truly trying to like build a fellowship of protectors so we can not just protect or not just to, you know, develop and, and, You know, provide for our children, but protect them. Because without that, we can't do anything. And without them, we can't change anything over time with our society.
1: Don't you think it would make sense if we took police officers at an academic level, so their academy, and we actually taught them some of these tools and responses to situations like the ones you're training for? And I'm going to give you a little context of how much training I received. My first academy, zero. My second academy, move and shoot, which was a good course, but it had nothing to do with mass atrocity. But we had some real good shooting training there. Officer down, upside down training, like wounded officer training. That stuff was important. And then the third one, they took gym mats in the gym and stood them up. So if you could imagine, they made fake corridors with the gym mats. So essentially, if you could try to envision like you know that game where it's a little plastic thing you take the little silver the little silver ball and you try to get it from one end to the other like a maze Mm -hmm. that's what it looked they made a maze and quote unquote that was our simulator to learn how to clear around corners so you can imagine us in this gymnasium with these these gym mats that essentially stood maybe six feet on their side and learning how to cut corners—that was our entire training, the entire academy. One day, um, and you know that was 20 years ago as well. But that was the extent of my training for how to clear a room. That was it for my third yeah. police academy—24 weeks—and I got to walk through one day for maybe 30 to 40 minutes a maze and learn how to cut corners.
0: Oh, uh, I mean, it, it's one of those things that the academies, man, were—you know—I I don't know. I think this is a good question for you that I have—is—is is like are they afraid to show people like the cadets, like what, what they're going to really be asked to do? Like, cause I think a lot of it is, is exposure to, to the real, not even just from an active shooter response, just like some of the real shit. Um, you think that they would lose a bunch and this is, this is truly an uh, an innocent question. I I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't law enforcement. So I tell guys, just like you said in the beginning, like I, I'm learning as much as I can because I'm not going to sit here and motherfuck the problems. I'm going to like try to sit, see how I can help. And um a lot of it is just education. And um I'm just curious if if you think that they don't show a lot or do or you know the gold standard is to do these things, to do these types of training, scenario-based trainings and and set this stuff up. And I think they'd identify a lot of a lot of things pretty early on if someone has the aptitude, the ability to 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 um evolve in, in as the as the situation evolves, you know, and and react. And you think they would lose a lot of a lot of cats that they were they were trying to get through this the training itself?
1: No. Um I think the answer is they don't give a fuck. That's number one and number 2 is if that 95% of the people that don't give a fuck had to come up with a solution they don't have the brain power to at least even know how to formulate the solution so we know that as a police training company there is not one person who could possibly know how to do basically more than one thing as a specialty it's very rare maybe two because they worked in different divisions for so very long. Maybe one guy was a SWAT guy and a NARC guy. So that's not uncommon. So they might have two sets of skills. But you have police agencies and police academies who indoctrinate one person or maybe two people to train everything, and it's impossible. So you get this watered-down, half-assed, train-the-trainer, complete crock of shit, which... I think you're better off learning online of how to do things versus even doing them in person because it's still a better solution. Example,
0: would that be like the firearms instructor and then the tactics instructor? Those are the like two kind of expected to know to teach all the different mission sets?
1: I think that people just aren't creative enough. And there are people who care, but I don't think their solutions resolve anything. And I, and I got to give credit. I had a lieutenant who on his own time, he had nothing to gain from this just believed in training so much that he set stuff up for us as much as best as he could he tried to put things together we did some active shooter training he didn't have to he just did it they didn't stop him from doing it and he's the only one that did it and um he deserves credit
0: for that and outside was of the outside of what he was being like the, the 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 minimum requirements you're saying
1: yeah he was trying to come up with some solutions but the resources dude it was crazy i mean like <laughs> The whole thing is ran so poorly. It's no different. It's the government. So it's just run completely ass backwards. And it really comes down to what does the top prioritize? And it's not what the world needs. It's what the fucking people at the top think the world needs. And it usually comes down to what they like. So, for example, you might have somebody who loves SWAT and now they're the chief. And will invest every dollar they have into a SWAT team that they don't need. While patrol will need canine units desperately. Because that's actually a real solution to the world. Like even if you had a dog that tracks human sense, it's just so wild how the whole thing is so mismanaged. And and that's inherently the problem. And, And politics is deeply ingrained in this profession and i think it's probably similar in in the
0: military world where you have i think like the biggest the biggest like difference that i'm that i'm drawing is like you have the same levels and layers i mean maybe even on a, a larger scale of bureaucracy right of of leadership that's so far removed from the mission i think the biggest difference between what we have as a fighting force right now and this won't be forever um in our military is trial by fire right like which which is why i don't necessarily we've been in combat for 20 plus years or were and you know a lot of the ways of acting like when i first got in in the infantry in 82nd airborne i was still doing bangalore tor- torpedoes and fucking enter and clear a trench trench warfare like we were going in and clearing by fire on these trenches man and um you know I, and then you know going to iraq and in afghanistan quickly changed like okay we need to really like train differently or else we're going to be fucking irrelevant and irrelevant means dead and um you know so i think and that's why I, I continue to push myself to to go to more elite teams and then went to special forces i was green beret for four years or so on a team and then in, in the unit for just about 11 years and you know but I also knew which every team I was on unit, I knew what they call a mission essential task list, the metal tasks. These are the things you have to be like in this order, prioritize one, two, three, four, however many you have like in SF and special forces. You have like fucking nine. I, I'm, I'm exaggerating. I don't know exactly, but it's a lot of different things and unconventional warfare it needs to be the number one, but um, when it ended up happening over years of just that mission creep, Cause everybody, we didn't have enough forces to, so we had, we had guys out there doing direct action, high value target missions that weren't necessarily trained as well as the, as the, as the teams and the units out there that that's one of their number one mission essential task lists. So, or it's number one on their mission essential task list. But I guess it's for me, like you clearly know, like in the unit that I was in for a majority of my career, the hostage rescue and the high value target stuff is your number one and two, you know, no fail missions. So you know, that those it's pretty, I, I say it's easy. I mean, it's, it's difficult to maintain that level, but you're, but you're resourced accordingly, you're supported accordingly, because if you fail, even in training on those, you know, it's just that trend thing. Don't let there be a trend you should be you know individually counseled and there's a rem- rem- remedial action plan and all that all those things and then if you have it happens again you know there's a good chance that you're going to get fired so you know the accountability piece is there and you and there's it, zero doesn't, here it doesn't here it doesn't profession. keep you it doesn't keep you from training though that's the biggest difference that i think in everywhere else i've at least been exposed to and worked is we still go out there and train as realistically as we can you know and and it's fucking everything's dangerous as hell but we do those things because we're not we're not training to 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 worry about if we're going to fail if we fail and as a collective then that's an opportunity to change something and then as an individual you know that's also an opportunity for you to change something individually you just can't make it a trend and i wonder you know that's the that's the biggest difference that i see because there's still all these layers of even at the highest levels in organizations of of not feeling supported at times or being asked to do things that you're like, what the fuck? But you also understand the mission. You know, the commander's intent is pretty clear. And then you develop your mission statement based on that commander's intent, and then you execute, and then you hot wash the fuck out of it, like at the end. And you don't leave that room when you hot wash that thing. Whatever mission you do, training or, or real world, like you don't leave that thing. And I won't, if you and I do something like, if we leave this that room after we hot wash or hot washing and we don't or after actions review lessons learned whatever you want to call it and i don't say my piece from a tactical um uh, grievance that i may have from my perspective of seeing something that's where we paint the whole picture and you're a fucking bitch if you don't say your piece before that door closes and we'll be there as long as we need to um because if you leave that room and start motherfucking people, then you're just as bad as the person in there that made the tactical error or worse, actually.
1: I have a few more answers to your earlier question about
0: giving you it more context. Down to account- accountability. I mean... <clears throat> yeah,
1: well, everybody's... Like, let's face facts, dude. 95% of this world, in some way, shape, or form, does not possess the skills needed to perform at a high level and innovate. So I actually wrote down by that these people are binary, not creative. It's black and white. So if you take somebody who's a binary person, which is fine, and a lot of people are, they need to go to work, and they like to do what they do every single day, and they don't want anything to change because that's what they're used to, and they don't like change. And unfortunately, when there's lives on the line, there's not the type of person we need to be the heads of not only organizations, but training organizations. And you want to hear something fucking crazy, and this is the first time I've actually remembered some of this, How about this one? You already have your mind blown? A form of punishment in law enforcement is to get training removed from your schedule. So when you get in trouble, they'll actually pull you out of training and punish you that way because cops want to go to training so desperately that if you fuck up or they're mad at you, they will punish you by not allowing you to go to training and putting you back into the field with the training that that you need to stay alive Save lives. This is the fucking games these fuckers play. It's fucking wild, dude. And that's why people are frustrated. And that's why everybody's had enough. And, you know, still some of these people, they, they bind together. They try to join forces and gang up against me for saying these things. Because the fact of the matter is, it's disgusting. And people endure this every single day in this profession. The fact that they understand that these administrators and politicians care so little about them that they're willing to put their lives on the line, not their own, but their people's lives, because of self-interested actions and behaviors. And it's appalling, it's disgusting, and it's significantly an issue in this profession.
0: Yeah, it's like the exact opposite of what should be done. Like as far as I, I know, if it's you wild. have an error in training, guess what? You, you need to be training more, and not just on your own. Not hey, go fix, go fix yourself. There are some individual tasks that people, you know, enter team stuff, right? Where you're like, hey, he, here's our standards. Like I used to have a board on the back of the team room door that would have, you know, call sign, you know, whatever position, and then here's some like six different standards across that we go out and do and then you can update the board as you've as you've accomplished them but it need to be it would need to be done monthly um, and not just shooting but there's some CQB stuff there's some you know physical fitness stuff and those are those are there to hold you the inner team stuff accountable you can do them together as a team and we would but then there'd be times for you to go and, and do and work on your stuff you know by yourself and then, if you take that a step further into the the higher the next level of of command, you know having those metrics in place, and then the next one up, you know having your your quarterly kind of squadron or or department or you know agency kind of wide metrics to train, but it it's people put pen to paper or, or a part timer man, and it's like fuck lose your mind, you know. But it, I don't know. I think pride, pride being so expensive. You know is one of the biggest things like if you let paper targets defeat you then maybe you're not doing you're not training hard enough for one and because you're how are you ever going to push yourself if you don't like make mistakes and it show in front of front of your mates you know because i'm sitting i'm here to tell you like we're not perfect none of us are like we were created in his in god's image but we fucked that up almost right out the gate so You know, it's uh, it's one of those things, man. I, I, uh, like, how do you, how do you remedy something like that? I guess the mission, you know, if the the mission isn't clearly defined, how would you define, for your for your standard patrol officer, what his mission is, or his or her mission is?
1: I think that actually, some of this stuff, really begins with a strong foundation of good moral character. When you show up to something with the right intention with the right moral character, with the with the right behavior, you might screw it up, but eventually I think you'll find your way. And so with that being said, there are a lot of people who are in positions to have impact and change, but show up with very, very nasty uh, ulterior motives. And it's it, it's just people who have had enough of it. They just don't want to. And, and I'm the one who's saying it, and everybody thinks it. And yes, there are some really great police organizations, there's some great leadership out there. There's also a ton of shitty leadership and a ton of shitty organizations. And the fact of the matter is there's no accountability because people who hold them accountable are themselves and politicians that they're in bed with. And it's true. And it's fucking wild. And the more I say this, the more I become a target of those entities and organizations that I'm calling out. It's just wild to me that a human being can be comfortable accepting things as status quo, knowing that lives are on the line. It just... And the crazy shit is, Tom Morgan, they won't fucking have a face-to-face conversation with me like they won't with anybody else. You watch them on the news, these people who are just out of their goddamn minds. I mean, there's no talking to AOC, right? You can't fucking sit with that girl and have an intelligent conversation. She's a fucking lunatic. Even Democrats will agree that she's an absolute lunatic. So she's a bad representation of how you should behave, but she represents some entity of the world It's fucking wild. So when you can't at least have a conversation of how do we fix this thing because we have to put our bullshit to the side because lives are on the line, they won't even, your elected officials won't even have this conversation because it makes them uncomfortable. They don't give a fuck about any of this stuff. It has if it doesn't serve them. And by the way, there are some really good ones out there, but it's wild. And this is inherently the problem. And dude, it's a it's a breath in the wind on this on this podcast, but it's something that's not unknown in this profession. And guess what? There are some fantastic politicians out there who really do care. And they're the ones who also suffer great scrutiny and become outcasts in their political parties because of them actually taking this job to do what it's meant to do, not just to continue to serve uh, bigger interest groups and themselves.
0: You know, there's a couple things. I, I, I think it, you just reminded me there, right there towards the end of how disgusting you know some of this stuff like i've watched you know sean ryan's show and you know how he he certain shows are getting pulled from different platforms you know based on talking about jesus and uh it blows my fucking mind but you know it also motivates me to continue to do what i'm doing and to say the things i'm i'm saying um because i do believe that we having, you know, methods of congressional oversight, right. To, to tie back into your, your point, the um, it's just, it's needed, right. But at a certain point, you know, we, we, we need that oversight and we need, but we need the right people, mix of people up there in those positions. And it, it just seems whoever gets the whoever has the mic that's the uh the most um flamboyant gets the most attention and um you know I, I just think it takes people like you and me and so many others to step up and and just continue to spread whatever word that we can about the the morality and and you know ethical kind of uh decisions and and ways to live our life and um i'm not sitting here standing on a ivory tower at all i just i have been redeemed and my new mission is is to to carry that forward and to 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 impact as much as as many people as i can and and to, to protect the innocence that we have specifically our children and um you know i i don't know man it's just one of those things that i think if we could if you could clearly define like what what a patrol officer's mission is though like that to me I don't it's too broad to just to serve and protect or to police you know like it it, it uh I wish it could be more clearly defined because I think you're gonna get the you're gonna get the a better you know look at the at, or excuse me you're going to get, you're going to sort through a lot of the bullshit people that sign up and maybe don't have the ethical and moral character that it, that it takes to be out there representing, you know, the state, local and federal government because of all the bullshit that they have, you guys have to deal with every fucking day.
1: If there was a consensus that we would all agree that this is what it looks like, this is who we're all going to be as an organization. Then everybody will follow suit. So I've actually worked for a couple different police agencies. One was very proactive, and they rewarded proactive police officers. They rewarded hard workers. They were into that. That's how the whole culture was set. And The other one was just the opposite. The other one was if you do work, you're going to get in trouble here.
0: So nobody's on the same page in that if sense. If you better yourself, you're going. You're you're a piece of shit. For people
1: better get in trouble life. in this profession. My hand to God. I heard a story yesterday. For going to training on their own without telling their boss or getting permission from their bosses to get training to better themselves, Bro, so you can shit go to
0: blows like my mind. I, I've yeah. had dudes come to come from like what is it when you're on leave, uh, uh, like it's like a vacation their, day. Yeah, on their own vacation time, come and do a course of mine and say, hey, I got to get out. like as soon as the course is over, they're like, I got to get back so I don't get in trouble. Like the last time I did a course, he got fucking reprimanded. Uh, for doing that course and but he's still out there doing them. And I'm like, fucking good on you, man. But I it just blew my mind when I heard that.
1: I know a guy who got fired from the New Jersey police department for going to training without permission to go to to be, become a better police officer for society, got in trouble because his bosses did not get the basically the kickback and the power control of you need to tell us where you're going, and we'll let you know if it's allowed.
0: Um, Do you think that there's a there is a measure of its control, but I think there's got to be an element, right, where people in those positions are like, "Hey, man, what are you out there training on?" Like, who? I would understand that, but they know that as soon as they ask,
1: they're getting they're getting denied the training. So, why ask when you know the answer is going to be you're not going? And this is the people that we work for in a lot of places. But again, it's nice to see shifts happening and people becoming better essentially better bosses being created and i'm not sitting here saying that right now it's perfect but i do believe it's getting better in some sense not everywhere but i think i think you're seeing a better more thoughtful person coming up through the ranks now and, and i would say that you could attribute some of that to the work that we've been doing here at this company not all of it but some of it you know and when you have the an bravery.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, dude, when you have the bravery to stand up and say some of these things and, and represent a complete culture of people and stand up for them, I got to tell you, Kyle, I'm not going to be on my deathbed regretting that I said these things. Yeah. I think on my you deathbed going, we talked about, going, yeah, talked about yeah. that
0: last time. Yeah. I'm going to be on my deathbed no, saying, I'm glad I fucking legacy, spoke up. For
1: sure. Yeah. I'm just glad I spoke up, dude, because yeah. I wonder how somebody goes through their career retires, I really want to get like five pieces of shit in here and just try to do like a psychological evaluation. Like I want to, I want to get like five of the worst chiefs there have ever been. Like guys that have the worst reputations, captains, lieutenants, whatever supervisor they are, like the biggest fucking scumbags. And people are just probably yelling at their fucking radio right now. Like I got three that I could recommend and yeah. just have them come in here. And just, I have so many questions of like, how were you comfortable being a piece of shit like you gave that guy seven days off for like dropping a pencil on the floor and not picking it up when his kids couldn't get a birthday gift because you're a fuckhead because he had no extra money like how do you live when you retired at 25 years and there was no retirement party for you but your your exact opposite other captain they, they gave him this parade on his way out because He was so good to everybody and like nobody even fucking said goodbye. As a matter of fact, they turned your key fob off the minute you fucking walked out and you had to call it because you forgot something inside your office. How are you comfortable going on with life (laughs) knowing that you are just your legacy is you're the biggest fucking piece of shit? And I tell that to guys. I go, there's two people that are remembered in this profession. It's the fucking best guy there ever was and the biggest piece of shit there ever was. There's only two people. Everybody in the middle is forgotten. But those who had the courage and did right by the men and women in the rank and file They're always talked about for a long time. Not forever, but for a long time. And then you always hear the stories of the fucking biggest nightmare. And I got to tell you, as we talk, I, I have the same face, two, three faces out of the hundreds of people that I worked with, blinking and flashing in my head. For the rest of my life, I will correlate what it means to be a scumbag piece of shit boss to these two to three faces. I just know who they are. And everybody that I worked with, you could just ask them, who was the worst guy that ever worked here? And they're going to say the same fucking two names.
0: Are you okay with that? How are you okay Are those guys, are those people still in positions of power and influence? Well, it's interesting because a lot of them will,
1: they get so disillusioned to their value to the world that they think because they were at this rank when they left this police department, that the real world is anything close to what the police world is. And it's not. Police world is fake world. It is literally a fantasy land of no rules. It's just like it, I don't mean the sense of like cops are out breaking the law. I'm saying when it comes to like promotion, meritocracy, nepotism, it is a it is a calamity. And so these guys and and girls come out into the real world and try to do things like where you're rewarded in the real world on your actual meritocracy, how good you're at something, and they find out very quickly that they're worthless. And I think a lot of them stick around for 35, 37, 41, 45 years in the division at these police entities because they recognize that once they go back into the real world, they're a nobody. And the ones who are worth something, that are these great leaders that we get, they're not itching to leave. They're itching to leave to go help more. And you'll see that. You'll see them do very, very well professionally because they were great at being cops and commanders and whatever it may be. And then they just transition beautifully over into having successful careers professionally. But you watch these other fucks like struggle, can't get their shit off. I like, can't figure out why they can't. They've been so disillusioned to their actual worth as a human being, because inside the walls, people like had to pretend and like lied to their faces and because they're scared of them. And, you know, the whole bullshit. Like, it's like, you know, you're working for Saddam Hussein, essentially, right? Like nobody would ever say a word to Saddam Hussein because if you saw, they would just pull people out of these crowds and execute them in front of everybody. So people knew that. So people didn't fight back. They just, so they're so out of their minds. They're so out of touch at reality that when they come back into reality, they're like, how come I'm not this? How come I'm not that? How come I'm not as successful? Like, think about this. How does a guy like me, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, who was not being moved up through the ranks rapidly? Maybe it was not the best test taker on an multiple question, multiple choice test. That's how they measure how who's getting promoted. How does a guy like me come out, leave that profession, come into this one, and create essentially what we can argue to be the country's largest, if not at least fastest growing police training company? But, you know, did not progress so rapidly through the ranks. However, I know guys and girls in the profession. That if I handed this company over to them in three weeks to seven weeks, they would have this place run into the ground, everybody would quit, and this whole thing would be upside down. But they ran police organizations. How's that possible? So it goes to show you who's running these places. And I don't mean specifically always top level. Sometimes middle management, right? Sometimes your sergeants, lieutenants, they they could be the biggest nightmare. I mean, you got guys who have never been cops in their lives. They've been tucked away into these little closets. They take a promotion and they go out back into the road eight years later. They've been on the road. They did six months on the road, got stuck into a fucking closet somewhere. They're like the IT guy or some shit. They become fucking police supervisors and get sent back to the road have no idea what they're doing. They don't even know what the law is. They don't know yeah. what the rules are. They don't know what the paperwork's got to get done. And now they're your boss. And on top of that, they don't even know how to behave. They don't know how to respond to things. They don't, know how to, they don't even know how the radio works. And they're your boss.
0: Yeah, I think the... There's a lot, a lot there. Um, I think I would, I would be doing a disservice to not to not say this or bring it up because I feel like that's another reason you brought me on the show or brought me back on. So thank you for that. Um,
1: the actual reason was because I think you're very attractive, and I just want to see you again.
0: So, well, dude, that's you're playing my heartstrings now. That's you're, not it, so bad. you're not so. You're pretty easy on the eyes too, Dennis. So
1: thanks, dude. I pretty I shaved this morning. I got a fucking haircut. I, uh, you, you know, it's thanks, good. man. I, I like when I work out, I'm like, man, I hope Kyle Morgan really appreciates putting, this
0: putting in the work, dude. Thanks. Um, well, it's
1: for you. It's for you.
0: Thank you. Well, it's, it's, it, it doesn't fall on deaf ears. I I'm, I'm here. I you. appreciate that, dude. Um, no, but the, uh, <laughs> now I'm off. Now I'm like somewhere else. Now I'm in, in the gym with you right now. Um, <laughs> no, the, uh, you know, the, the, the myopic way of thinking or, or acting or, or, or looking at life or the missions or, or your profession, right? That black and white, you know, you, you, it's, you have that everywhere. There is people that think abstractly and there's people that think, you know, from a myopic kind of lens. And I feel like th- those two work really well together with the right people, with the right personalities. But even in the ranks of where I was, it, you can't get away from that. You know it's like that machine that's just fucking going and as soon as something kind of is off you know say it's you or something is weird you know from a tactical perspective it's like oh there it is what's this let's fix it but then from a personal perspective like that's when you you really start to you know see what's what's most important in your life and and the mission is a means to an end it's a way to provide it's a it's a way to to, to serve it's the the honor of being a part of something bigger than yourself it's all those things but but you know just understand that it doesn't matter where you work like you're going to have those those different types of people it's just how well they can work together to get to to uh, for a common goal a common mission um and i feel like the, the team mindset unless you're on a SWAT team SRT or ERT like you don't really get that sense of team right? Like a department, a patrol officer of a hundred, you know, officers or deputies, like you, you never really get that team unless you go to, and that's why it's really easy. Fuck dude, it'd be, I'd love, I would love it if all I did was train SWAT teams and and SRTs and, you know, those types of teams, but that's not my new mission. Like my new mission, because of it's so much easier. Now they're all not created equal, like by by a stretch but um or by a lot but um it, it's it's an easier I wish that they, those teams w- were able to impact the agency more right the good teams right that that get it that have that balanced of of different personalities working together on that common goal and then to influence the younger you know or the the other patrol, Kind of officers i feel like that that could be something and this is just from my perspective in, in a very short amount of time of being in this space training law enforcement and training with law enforcement um because i tell law enforcement i'm not here to teach you how to to do your job i'm here to increase your survivability and your lethality god forbid you have to use lethal force but i don't i don't sit there and talk like case law to get you up to the breach i'm, I'm like hey we're we're entering this building now I'm going to teach you some stuff. Okay. That's, that's where I come in, but I've been able to bring sidebar, but since I'm talking about it, ties into to all of it as well is uh, I've recently brought on Blake uh, Cook. He's, he's on social media uh, as well as, as Blackbeard, but he was um, regular infantry in the 82nd airborne for a bit. Um, and then he was also uh, Fayetteville SWAT and UC, he, he worked like some pretty big cases and you know he he's a phenomenal human being but he helps me for one we get we we have the same more morals and ethics and values that align but then his ability to uh to speak on like we went to texas and did a blue bearing course and one of the first questions he asked was was one of the patrol officers he's like hey what's your what's the statute or whatever for for the use of lethal force or you know whatever in that state and the dude was just like man, I haven't seen that since the Academy. I don't know. I was like, and me, I was like, I was like, bro, you better go fucking figure that out. And when we come back tomorrow, like be able to tell us what it is. Cause it, it I'm not a person that sits regurgitates, you know, um, uh, regulations and things like that. But when it comes to like understanding and just respecting the job that you've been, you've been sworn in to do and and to to protect the innocent people that are out there, you know, I just feel like he, it, Blake really helps round out some of the, the LE. Cause you get, I get this all the, you know, not all the time, but sometimes where it's like, why would I bring in? Yeah, sure. That'd be cool to go train with a Delta force guy, this and that. um But how is he going to teach me how to do law enforcement stuff on the surface before they actually get to know me and my abilities to, 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 to transfer knowledge and things like that. You know, I think it helps me helps me. And I, I've always wanted to find that person. And I have in Blake because it, it really reinvigorates me, you know, out there because there's, there's, there's such good pe- men and women out there that put that uniform on. that are out there every day. And it's just, it's just finding an out an avenue like you've built this, you know, the street cop training and now the, the podcast piece of this, you know, what's it, it it should from a, from a standard LE, you know, patrol guy or gal they, they should look up to you and be like, man, I can do stuff outside of once I'm, once I'm done with this, whatever this is, this, this shelf life that I have on this career. And maybe it's the only thing I can do. And I stay in this position for 40 fucking years, like to, to, to touch on your point earlier about some of those, the people that can't thrive outside of the job they used to do. Um, I think it's a measure. It, it really does show people like what you've built you know, it, it's possible to be successful, but not and not run away from what you used to do, if that makes sense. And it, there's a lot of parallels to like what you're doing, Dennis, and then what I'm what I'm doing. Um, I'm doing it as, as it pertains to active shooter response training, us, utilizing my experiences with hostage rescue and, you know, the Radisson Blue Hotel attack that was very similar to what I think is from a military mission it wasn't a mission. I was right place, right time, right person. And I had the ability. So it was my responsibility and I took action. So that's why I'm taking those lessons and applying those to an appropriate active shooter response in the curriculum that I built. But I wanted to run away from all of this shit. Like I I gave all my shit away. And when I get, when I was going to get out and I was going to work in corporate America and all this other bullshit, and I did some internships and, you know, I really did figure out that i had a lot more work i had to do on myself before i get into anything else and that's the work i've been doing but you know uvaldi woke me up on why i'm at least still training people so because i think this ties back to one of your original points about um you know how long do you stay in these positions like and then can you be successful you know outside of what you used to do Um, a lot of that depends on your ability to, to realize what your mission is, you know, and I think my mission is, is, uh, there's parallels between what I used to do, but it's a new mission of, of, of greater importance, even.
1: I came to a crossroad in my life years ago and I had to make a decision because I had to pick one thing to do and I was having success at many things, but i had to pick one. And to be honest with you. I chose this, obviously. People know the answer to that. But this wasn't the most lucrative thing that I could have done. And it certainly wasn't a path that had been paved, but I knew it was the most important path for me to take. So I decided to accept the challenge. And it has uh, been quite an enduring experience. Very rewarding at times. I feel very lucky that whether I chose myself or some greater energy in the world chose me to be this person. I have no beef with anything that has transpired and I wouldn't change anything and hopefully to do great things. And if I'm an example for people to know that they can do more with their lives, there's some great news that I have for everybody listening, is that skills can be learned. And the only variable of how successful you're going to be is actually not your intelligence level. Intelligence isn't a variable of your success. It's how much work you put into becoming successful. And I think anybody in this world, if they wanted to and had a little bit of patience, could be way more successful financially at least if they just committed to it and were willing to put the time in, and be patient with it a little bit. That's really good news for everybody. The problem is people do things for seven months, and they wonder why they're not successful. It takes years, but it's worth it, and it goes very fast. What the difference between somebody like that and somebody who had left a profession being some high-ranking official and can't figure out why they're not being recognized and rewarded for their great skill set because they're entitled And they don't think that they, they think they're so fucking smart because they're really good at taking tests or had the right political connections that they can just circumvent the process. And the reality is not only am I willing to outwork you, I'm also willing to outsmart you. And I outsmart you by outworking you because all I do is constantly educate. While you're watching Netflix, I'm watching YouTube videos from some of the greatest minds in the world, especially the business minds, sales training marketing training, how to do a podcast better, how to do better presentations, how to be a better speaker, how to be a better human being. So while you think it's easy, it's not easy, but it's possible for everybody. But you've got to make that decision in your life if that's who you're going to be. Believe me, I'm not just consumed with that avenue of my life, but I am also consumed with that in my life. I'm obsessed with it, but I'm also obsessed with other things, being a good friend, being a good father. And when I say good, I mean great. Being a great human being to other human beings. There is nothing I get more of a kick out of than being a great human being to other human beings. I, I'm i addicted to this thing. I wish I could do more of it. That's probably why I'm showing up here every single day. Yeah. And without question, I don't care how uncomfortable it is, I am there for you. And I will always be there for you as a fellow human being. If you are down, I will be there to help you. I promise you that. And and you know what that? Answer.
0: You know what that does, though. Like, those actions, as small as those can be, you know, they they can have an impact on people. And 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 it boils down to like, I'm trying to be a positive role model. You know, now that I've been redeemed as a as a human, as a as a a, a warrior of for Christ, like that's that's a part of it right it's not just oh i'm here to shoot people in the face that try to kill what i what i care about you know it's you know i will will enact extreme levels of violence to protect what i care about but it's it's about the little those little things they add up and they and it it over it can overwhelm you know um what's the word mediocrity or, or you know evil um in any case so if everyone just kind of had that same mindset, then we'd be in a much better place. That's for sure. I
1: I think everybody can have that same kind of mindset. I think overall, human beings do have that kind of mindset. I think that people generally, overall, are good. And I think, unfortunately, the bad are highlighted much more than the good are. Yeah. So I believe in humanity a lot. I actually said today, I was getting my hair cut, and the barbershop that I go to is in the town that I live in. I haven't met somebody in the town that I really don't like yet and I've been there for almost 6 years coming up next month. And so I said in the barbershop I you know talking to the kid who was cutting my hair today I said you know you work in a place like this I can't imagine you guys have any riffraff coming in here at all like there's probably always just a comfortable comfortable place to work nobody really ever complains. He's like yeah I'm like well you're you're in this town. People live in this town because they're good people because when they find out that there are good people here this is where they flock to. So we are all Generally good people, dude. I don't have a problem with one person in the town that I live in. And I and I live in a town that's thirty-six square miles. A third it's a small like so technically it's for New Jersey, it's a little bit of a smaller town. Um, but it's, it's 13, 14,000 residents tops. And everybody's on the same page, man. We're all just here for each other. And it's it's fantastic. It Get some fucking quirky personalities in the place. But so when you know, when we see the definition at the of a problem,
0: community, man like
1: that they are community bro it's really a very special place and everybody comes there uh, you know i'll ask them like hey what do you think about the town they're like dude it's fucking amazing and i'm like i know dude it really is and it's just one of those places where freedom rings dude the schools are fucking singing american songs and and there's no fucking bullshit they ain't playing games and they know the parents aren't going to tolerate it don't even attempt it the teachers won't believe it or not they're some of the lowest paid teachers which is crazy but they won't leave because they know what they got. And I and I hate the fact that they're low paid. And so people say like, oh, did you see the our school districts and how much taxes get allocated to our schools? I'm like, motherfuckers, it's a five-star school district. Your kids are 11 to 1 in these classrooms. And the teachers are like saints. And you're complaining about where your taxes get allocated. This is 36 square miles with 13,000 residents. You know how much tax revenue that is in in state of New Jersey? Not a lot. They can't do a lot with it. And so they pour it all into the school system. Because that's why people come here and pay the tax bills, because they understand what they're getting back. When you invest in your children like that via your taxes, I mean, what I'm getting back as a human being from just their social environment at this school district. And when I meet these, my fucking, their mother brought them to a water park earlier this week to go see their teacher who had such a fondness for my third son. That she asked if they could meet over the summer. They spent the day with the teacher and her kids. Yeah, like who does that, bro? At a water park. They met at a water park in Seaside Heights, New Jersey. And so, you know, what do you think that's instilling in your kids when you're when you're investing? So I tell people when I was selling real estate, I'm like, guys, I know the tax bill's high here, but you don't understand what you're getting for your money. You gotta, you got. Who cares about this? Look at your kids. Do you want your kids in this school district, or do you want to save? 300 bucks a month and go down the road and have to worry about the bullshit, the bullying, the fucked up kids, the abused kids. I'm not saying those kids don't need compassion and love, but let me tell you something. When your kids are around fucked up kids and those kids are the cool kids, who do you think your kids want to act like? How about you go to my district when the cool kids are your athletes, the nicest dude. There are some kids that I'm just like, I tell their parents, I'm like, your kids are amazing. And like, yeah, he's a very special. I'm Like, no, you don't understand. Like your kid's fucking amazing. Like These are like saints on earth, how good these kids are. And they're still cool kids. They're still tough kids. They're fighting Brazilian jiu-jitsu. They ride dirt bikes and quads. They're just in this collaboration of a social environment where they're watching their parents pretty much behave appropriately, work hard. Nobody has really any bad habits. They're all genuine, uh, generally people who came from lower beginnings and made it to a next level. And, and they're just do good overall peak. Everybody gets along. There's no, I've to my, my hand to God to this day, I'm six years in my neighborhood to this day, I've never heard one of my neighbors say one, another bad thing about another neighbor, not one time.
0: That's a, uh, you know, I, I think if anyone is listening to this and, and is like, well, that's great for Dennis, but the reality of it is, is that you can have that too you you just sometimes sometimes you just have to change the environment right if you if you can't you can't fix anything but your own self right but but you can you can build and plant these seeds that that the narratives you know that there's a theme that you're that you're saying and it truly is like being a good human and then caring about your community like that that is how i think you've been able to build and some of that is some of that is circ- circumstantial where you, you know, you have a rotten, rotten apple of a community, you know, but, you know, it's realizing that, you know, maybe I need to maybe I need to change the scene scenery and um, and find that, you know, where that community that's worth investing in. If you're applying those 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 internal, you know, morals and, and ethics and values and then invest in it because, you know, it's uh. I don't have that same thing on the same scale but i know it's out there you know and i'm doing what i can in in my community here now that i have the ability to be to truly be present and i think that's one of the things that i know that you've you've experienced it's pretty clear you know that you've been able to to shift you know even even shifting and and still building something different that's successful while still maintaining that level of presence that that our children and, and our communities need so much and it, it doesn't mean you have to go fucking be mayor um that's why when i asked you is like what do you you know what, what's your presence in that community or how involved i think is what i asked you like there is no it's not a trick question it's just straight up like what like how do you interact with with that community you know and 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 like you had said like if I see, see an opportunity, I'm going to, I'm going to inject myself, my, my values into it. Um, but I'm also not going to sit there and motherfuck it, you know, where I'm like, Oh, fuck that place. Fuck this, fuck this situation. Um, those people, those people, or that place is a pieces of shit, you know, right. That, that's only perpetuating the problem of, of negativity, you know? And, and I just feel like, it's uh you know i've experienced what i feel is a true community a couple times man and and it's 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 super it's um it's motivating you know that that we can have those things you know here and um you know i'm here to do the work like you said it just it takes fucking work you got to you got to realize what the work is and then you got to do it
1: i think that in any environment it's worth it to be present and I think you give guidance in any environment. You have to say, "Well, I live here, so that's eh, a lost cause." Um, you know, no, it's not. And your kids are allowed to be different and can be different. Just understand that your lack of effort comes with consequences. So I remember going to the first thing in my town was a Easter egg hunt. So their mother said to me, "Hey, there's an Easter egg hunt for Easter at this field." Like we just got there, right? It's a really like. It was a little bit of a change for me because it is more of a rural community. You know, even if even you think about 13,000 people in 36 square miles, it's not like we're on top of each other, typical New Jersey or even most of the country now, right? Most country suburbs, especially like you go to like Florida and Arizona, where houses are literally built on top of each other. These communities are like, there's like 30 acres and they put like fucking 50 houses in these things mm-hmm. or 60 or 70 houses. So we went to this thing and I, dude, I worked my fucking face off, paid a lot of dues to get to where I was. I mean, I spent a lot, I sacrificed a lot. And we went to this park where this Easter egg hunt went on. And I actually started getting emotional and I'm not an emotional guy. And so I, my their mother was like, are, are you tearing right now? And I'm like, yeah, she's like, why? I'm like, you know how hard it fucking worked to get us to this fucking, to this town. Like to watch these kids and all these people and how wonderful it is to have just normalcy of a collaborated, all these moms putting effort together and putting this wonderful 30 minute Easter egg hunt together. I've never seen anything. I haven't, I don't know if I've seen anything like this since my fucking childhood. Like, I thought this shit didn't exist anymore. Here we are. You know, I just, I so thankful. I'm so, I was just so appreciative that my children were going to get to experience that and get, and just get this better life. And so it's not like I was entitled to it. I came from a fucking shitty place. You know what I mean? I just, I'm trying to emphasize to people that, you know, you hear these things from these entrepreneurs, like so Damon John recently on Shark Tank. He's like, if I can do it, you can do it. Guys, I, you just please let that ring through your ears. You have no clue how true that is. And so when I look at these guys making a hundred million, 200 million a year, I know that there is only a few variables between that and me, and that is discipline number one at its core discipline, tenacity, and how much I'm willing to work to get to that and, and, and forfeit the pleasantries in life, quote unquote. I'm somebody who thrives on progression. I really enjoy progression of life and earning. Always have, always will. I like the results of it. I like the lifestyle it brings. And I mean that not just from a monetary standpoint. I mean, dude, I'll have in the next couple of days at least 75 to 100 people telling me thank you for the work that we do. I went to we had, we had we hosted a class here yesterday and uh, I went in and people were just like really I think uh happy that I showed up and they were surprised and excited to meet me and wanted to offer praise and I was like, "Hey, man, I appreciate it, man. Like, you know, like I'm doing it for you guys. I'm glad that you're finding value in this stuff." So, I don't mind the work, and I certainly don't say these things, so I want you to feel bad about yourself. I say things like this to give you hope, and just to know, doesn't speak to most people, that when they say anything's possible in this country, it really is, is it going to be hard? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, there's nothing easy about it. Like, it's going to be fucking brutal. You're, you're not going to like a lot of it. A lot of it sucks. Most of it, actually. But question is, is it worth it? And I got to tell you right now, I'm starting to see the crops that I've, uh, that I've sown. It's, it's really, it's all coming together full circle in some sense, still with a lot of headaches, but it's I just worth the, it.
0: The big, yeah. the, the big piece of that, man, is, is, uh, I say this with tactics, you know, like, uh, a true tactician can let the situation and the environment tell them the tactic and technique to use. And, um, And you can only do that or become those things um, by being challenged in those environments. But, but I think the the biggest thing is is never getting stagnant. Like I have, you know, that mindset of I've arrived. You know, when you get that promotion or you get to that position of influence, or you know, and it's like, all right, no, I haven't. You know, yeah, no, I'll never arrive. Now I've just been given an opportunity to fuck this up. So what am I going to do? What am I going to do to not fuck this up? And I will make mistakes along the way. Yep. And I think it's just, it's, it's embodying that, that mindset of, you know, you, you know, the whole shoot for the stars and, and shit like that. No, man, like have obtainable goals and, and go out there and put the work in. And just when you, 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 you get some, some successes, like it's just, okay, cool. Maybe that's a validation that your work is, is that you're putting in is, is, is effective, but it damn sure isn't, isn't like who, who you are. You know what I mean? I think if you never lose sight of who you are, understand who you are and, and then do the work to better yourself. Cause there's always, there's, there's character defects, man. I had a talk with um, my therapist recently. And I was like, because I still do talk therapy. It's it's just a part of my own my own healing, my own process. Marital conflict, and and just sharing with another human being and God is the only way. Like it's the reason blue bearing is is bearing the weight of the world. That's the the it's no human should, but I know I have, and it's not for us to do. Um. So once I finally let go of that, and now I share with with others with the right people, um and keep those circles you know small and and tight and 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 get out there and and make a change and and be be the change excuse me but he, but he said to me you know he said if if temptation was a sin then jesus would have been a sinner and i was like fuck, that that impacts me more than i can put words to on because i if there was one thing one person that I wanted or institution or cause I worshiped other places I've been. And I only know, I only only say that because I, I get the same feeling listening or reading scripture or, you know, listening to certain things. And I get that same feeling of, of joy that I, that I did from an institution and that that's prioritization shift completely. But I also struggle with my own character defects, you know, cause I am human. And, um, it just really helped me because you know if you have the, the 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 army values or whatever right like integrity honor selfless service uh so on so on and so forth i'm sure there's something for law enforcement too but these these you know the kind of like phrases that they use in their their character attributes right and that's if you look at that at the you know the fruit of the spirit you know li- trying to live you know the way the way that jesus christ did i'm like shit dude this whole time i've I've been lost trying to figure out like oh you know i'm a, I'm a warrior i have integrity on the battlefield but in my personal life i can just fucking do whatever i want because no mm-hmm. one's gonna know that just means i don't have integrity well i'm right. done i'm done living that way and so now when i struggle with things i have these you know the, the fruit of the spirit to kind of fall back on about how am i am i living that Life, and now I can hold myself accountable. But then, so I still struggle, right, with temptations, with different character defects, and and um, it just when when he said it to me like that, the therapist, uh, I was just like, man, that really it just it really helped me, and um, because it it, it's that whole self forgiveness piece, because I could just go, well, you know, whatever, no one's going to know, who's going to know, I'll know, but you know. I didn't really give a shit about myself in the past. So now I'm changing that way of thinking. And, um, you know, that's how I'm trying to live my life, but either way, I don't know how I got talking about that, but it just felt like it was appropriate. And, and I think another thing that was, was told to me recently too, because this kind of ties an earlier point that we were talking about, about evil, right? So like the roots if you were if you were this object or tree the roots touching evil in order for the branches to reach god or heaven you know or good for example and i totally believe that i've endured seeing what the the worst that this world has to offer not to sit there and and bask in it or oh you wouldn't understand man you weren't there or um you know well that's just how i have to live because that's what i'm what i can operate you know if i take evil off of this earth i must just be more evil than them or i'm just better right and which is equally as evil when you start to become the biggest thing in the world so for me it, it's it truly is i think you have people that have gone and experienced these things and and their their roots have touched evil true true evil. And now it's on us to 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 live, you know, growing our branches as high to to our higher power as we can, to good, to and then radiating that, bringing people along the way. Did you
1: know, or were you forewarned of the consequences of choosing the career that you chose in special forces for the rest of your life? What you'd have to endure?
0: No. I think it started for me as like, oh man, that flag. Like I worshipped a flag. I worshipped a, a piece of cloth, you know. And I trust me, I'm an American, like through and through. But, but I, 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 I idolized it. I idolized something else because I was missing. I didn't have that that foundation built in, in something, my creator, you know. So, and I didn't trust anything from my first visual memory as a child. You know because i was traumatized from my first visual memory and and then it just kept i just kept I, I learned at a very young age how to how to read the room how to read people's emotional you know states so because i could adjust mine to fit in or to 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 take the pressure off of me and so fast forward years you know and i've i just kept kind of going from one thing to the next because i wanted to be a part of a smaller team and a smaller team and then it became a more elite this and and then but no i i uh and i had no idea like the the toll that that was having on my own personal like belief system and actions And and to be honest like i actually because it was kind of cool to do ridiculed the people that had strong beliefs and faith along the way and now i look back at those people and i'm like I'm just ex- so, I'm so proud of them for being able to do the jobs that we did and and to never lose sight of those those things that, that are actually the most important. It's the belief in something bigger than yourself and, and, and your and your family. But to answer your question, n- no. And I, I'm still unraveling some of that, and I'm still dealing yeah. with some of the consequences of my decisions, you know, maybe not necessarily on the battlefield, but if the battlefield was back home, Yeah, because it has been for me at times. Getting crushed from both sides. Yeah, and just fucking boozing my way out of it.
1: Hey guys, follow us on all social media platforms to include Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Facebook group. We have so much information going out every single day, and we don't want you to miss out on any of that stuff. So check it out, go give us a follow. People don't realize, and I've been privy to know, because I'm friends with a lot of you guys, I, I... Never thought I'd be forty-one going on forty-two with just a fuck ton of SFC, uh, special force guys, F- SF guys as my fucking buddies, and so I am curious, like everybody else is, but my curiosity comes from a different place of trying to understand the things that you guys must be dealing with, how it affects you, and I try to really understand the capacity of the things that you guys had to do, and. People don't have context, I'm not even going to go there, because, you know, I I'm privy to a lot of interesting stuff. Some of it comical on the on the upfront, but I'm sure later on in life, uh, something that you one, probably one
0: of the get see is, as you interact with us more. As we we use humor, especially in like personal conversations, we use humor to make light of of some of the worst things that another human being should have to be exposed to.
1: I don't think anybody really understands when you say the worst things what what it really is, and and it's it's unbelievable. And I I I know that like obviously there's a lot of top secret shit that can't be discussed, and I don't get privy to that. I get the very surface level, and you know, so I don't. I think there's a disservice done there at least a little bit, where, and I guess that's my next question is like how do you accept the fact that the things that you did and how honorable your efforts were will almost most of the time in your life go unrecognized in some sense because people don't know what you guys did or what you guys even do. But I've been privy to some of the shit, you know,
0: I think, um, I mean, that's, is that something you realize really, it comes with
1: the territory, you know, yeah, like, I, like, I fuck. Think, you got accepted at some point, right?
0: I think someone's got to do it. Like, these these organizations right. exist, you know, because of, like, this country needs it, this world needs it. Um, but at a certain point, you have to realize when it's no longer serving you and, and your your actual, like, purpose in life. Maybe it was just a part of your story, like I'm using, and I was able to realize that because of all the personal um Fucking issues that I was having, and and I couldn't hide from it anymore, and it it affected my ability to perform, and you know on the battlefield, and and then I I look back and I have nothing, you know, and or at least that's what I thought or told myself, mm-hmm. and I'm 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 stepping out into this public space or or into this light, because I want to show people, it started off because I wanted to prove this to myself. That I can do this and and my actions can match my words. My words maybe didn't match my actions in the beginning, uh, especially early on in my sobriety. I wanted them to. I wanted to believe. I wanted to want to believe these things and and ways of living and changing that, right? Because I I do believe that it takes people like us to safeguard others from having to experience these things. That's right. I've said I said to myself a lot my our number one job and i can connect and relate that message to law enforcement across our country as well it's our it's our it's our job is it's not to be like it's the same way i i when i would raise my when i was raising my kids back back then i would be like man they don't know how fucking bad it could be why the fuck should they right this is the 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 rewiring that has that's happened and and you know, I, I never want to step out and just grab a mic so I can just blow hot air and talk about how cool I used to be and all this other shit. I, I'm, I'm still performing on demand under pressure. You know, if a, if it's a part timer or if it's a crowd of people, but 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 showing and sharing knowledge and things like that, sharpening the edges of others, um, is 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 a mechanism, a tool for me to to be able to continue to take what I used to do. And apply that to help others but the real the real test for me is to to live and embody the things that i'm saying like about morality about other human beings and and to safeguard others from having to experience how bad things have been or could be um does that kind of answer uh, th- th- there's layers well together. you've triggered
1: things in my brain so you know i often tell cops something i used to say to myself when i was in situations that were not pleasant and were often in situations that are unpleasant um i don't think to the violence factor typically of
0: i, I like to i'll refute that with like active shooter we, yes right we, we buy risk down with our with our individual experience and our collective experience Right. Me having to go deal with shit almost on my own happened once in my fucking military career. Now there are rooms and on a bigger target and things like that. But but we we as a collective buy down so much risk with experience and cohesion and and just training that we've done together. So it's about perspective. About and I use this with with trauma. How much was I able to prepare my mind, body, and spirit for violence? Right. As a law enforcement officer, I'd argue with you specifically about this point is that you guys go into situations. Do you have a, your, your, your mate with you back up? Like, or, you know, and you're having to deal with, with so many different unknowns. I mean,
1: that, there's awful things, dude. Like there's yeah. some things that will torment you. I mean, we go from,
0: I don't envy it is what I'm saying. I mean, and the I amount, amount of mask change. What you guys have to go through.
1: Yeah. I mean, you think about the amount of mask changes that you have to endure from going from somebody who's holding a child to somebody who is waiting for an ME to respond because somebody was decapitated or blew their fucking brains out with a shotgun, and you're you're going there into a corpse, and then then going to dinner, and, and then, go, and then, then
0: go, told go to the go to the soccer game, right?
1: Like you're, and you're then here and here. then going to like be, then being told you're working overtime. You know, you're getting stuck. There's nobody else to to come in, and then going to a fatal crash scene, and then um you know, dude. And then like you
0: know what all that is, Dennis? It's trauma yeah I know I think it, it, it people want to glorify levels of trauma and that's one of my side missions anyone I talk to that it, from a force first responder or law enforcement um perspective or just you know general military because people say this shit to me all the time they're like man I've been through some shit bro but man nothing like you and I'm well hold on a minute let me just stop you and let me just explain how I view trauma and Cause I feel like that's also part of the problem is, is how people trying to qualify
1: trauma, trauma compared to yeah, others. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Trying to quantify or qualify trauma. It's, it's about perspective. It's about how well did you sleep the night before? How well did you prepare your mind, body, and spirit for what's, what happened and then how well are you supported on the other side of it? Like that is, that's that whole grieving process that we inherently do without even realizing it in the military when they're when it's done correctly. Through, through like excruciating detail of planning and rehearsals and contingency plans, rock drills, like make, you know, make the full blown fucking thing and go run through it a thousand times. And then we go and do it. Some gnarly shit happens. We come back and guess what we do? We hot wash the fucking shit until, until you've said your piece to paint that picture for, for you. And then we move on. But we do it at such a high level of op tempo that, and it, it varies at times, but. Compartmentalization is a tool to be able to continue to operate at those high, high levels, but you have to have a plan to unpackage that shit. Yeah, yeah. You just you do, and maybe that plan is surrounding yourself with the right people.
1: I give this advice to a lot of cops who are listening, and that is, there are things that you never want to have to go and endure. And I I go right to like, the times I had to go and like investigate, basically a kid who was like sexually assaulted, right? That's that's probably one of the toughest ones to have to do because, you know, you have to get uncomfortable with it. If there's nothing you can, and nobody wants to talk about it, but you got to go there. And it's just something fucking inhumanity that just makes it feel so fucking awful. Uh, but you have to tell yourself things like, well, they need you, right? This family needs you to show up. This, this victim needs you to show up. This victim needs you to come in here and, and do justice for them. They have no voice. You are their voice. You are their hero. And so I know that it's tough, but
0: bro, it's even like- you, Even you saying that is just like, that just, and this is just, I'm a civilian, man. I just got chills because that, when if more people knew that we had officers, individual officers that are out there going into these situations with that same type of mindset, man, I think that would change so much about the way people, people are, view police period. I think,
1: I think people need to constantly be reminded um in this profession and I think you know society's appreciative no question about it. But I think we us as a whole as a professional community <clears throat> need to get ourselves inside the right moral fabric with the right understanding of you know how do we take a step outside of the box and make sure that we are doing the things that we need to do to also care for ourselves. But where do we find our strength? And our strength, most of us, is found in our purpose. And unfortunately, when they start taking away your purpose and dilute your efforts and start to snicker and snarl or criticize your efforts when they come from good intention, that's where people get very, very jaded. But let's go back to this one story. It was actually um, towards the end of my career. It was one of my last jobs and I got I hated DOAs. So it's dead on arrival. And I just hated them. I just never, cause like, dude, you just never knew what you're gonna get. And it was like never anything good. And fortunately enough, the last one was and I just there's something about it that I'm just not thrilled about. And unfortunately, on a couple occasions, I went to people's deaths that I knew because I worked in the town I grew up in. And uh and the reason for that is because the town that I grew up in um suffered a lot of people abusing narcotics and substances because of the type of socioeconomic environment that we came from, not uncommon. And I remember the last one I went to, it's not a great story, but uh, I pulled up and the guy had, was a senior citizen, and I saw that outside, he must be getting the senior meals delivered to him. So on this front porch, there were several of these stacked up. And I'm like, yep, that's their first sign. And so every cop knows this, like the mailbox is full, right? There's a note from the mail courier that they're not going, like their mail box was so full that they had to keep it at if you want the rest of your mail it's at the post office there's just these signs you know and just like oh it's true this is gonna be one of these so I pull up and there's a woman very well kept house but a woman outside and I said hey how are you did you call and she said yeah I called da-da-da. I'm some I'm so- and so to him and I said she goes I think he's inside I said well did you go inside and look she goes I I I don't want to go inside and look I I didn't Uh, I want you to do it. And I said to her, yeah, it's my job, right? And she's like, yeah, I didn't want to go in. And I said, "Well, it's my job. That's why I do what I do. Because in my head, as I'm walking up, I'm like, I'm here because she can't go in. Because she needs me to go in for her. Somebody in there that she knows, she may love. And she doesn't have the strength to go in and find this guy. And you know, fortunately enough, it wasn't terrible. But yeah, I did find him dead in his basement thank God this dude like cranked up the fucking cold. And so he's pretty well preserved. It wasn't too bad. It was only like two days. Um, But there's something very, very creepy about methodically going through somebody's house, trying to find typically their decomposing corpse and, and, and you know, the smells and the, and most of the time it's not like, it's not normal. Most of the time when we find bodies, it's usually something, just awful, because I think most people pass um you know with their family members being well involved. These are usually like quarters, mentally ill people um sometimestime not all the time, but like you know, when it's the weird ones, it's always like suicide and and it's it's just never something there's just something about going to somebody's death that I just never found exciting. I just fucking. Where you take and, care and the of worst kids, thing is,
0: man, so they can take care of you one day. That's right. So, like, dude, like you, you don't smell, just go dude, in. Smell, smells are the worst too, man. Like yeah, smells, smells are yeah. one of those things that, as far as how it imprints on your on your memory,
1: there's just something about. And then you can't leave, dude. When you go to like somebody's death as a cop, like you're there. You don't just get to go and go. Yep, he's dead or she's dead. No, now you're there. Now you got to help the family. Uh, typically, got to track people down. You've got to. Call the medical examiner. You've got to do some preliminary investigation yourself. The detective bureau is not coming out. Does it look like it's a fucking typical death? Does it look like there's some kind of foul play? Does it look like it's a suicide? And everything shifts and changes. And dude, you know, you get stuck at these jobs three, four, five hours. And you're enduring that smell for fucking five hours waiting for people to show up. The ME is not at your police department. It's usually a county ME mm-hmm. uh, or coroner or whatever you call them. And they get, it, it takes fucking hours. They're on other jobs sitting there for fucking hours. You're, you're missing dinner. You're sitting, babysitting a dead body that's decomposing, and there's fucking, you know, bugs and and like weird shit going on. It's it's a fucked up dude. There's like you know just so that's just one of the many fucked up things that cops have to endure that they don't even tell you about.
0: No, prepare you
1: for in the academy or before you take the job.
0: No, they don't. It's uh, you know, it's like even in the in the military, like in basic infantry training, right? They they. They're trying to desensitize you to life and death, you know. So they're teaching you all this fucking all these different ditties and stuff to like kill, kill, kill. You know, cold blue, whatever. Like it, it, but they don't. They're not preparing you for that first time you encounter, you know, death. Especially if it's someone that you've you had a you had a part in killing, and and they never, and and to and that's where you'll never hear me glorify. You know killing someone intimately um because it's something that you can never un unwrite
1: yeah undo well undo undo you know somebody said something one time a sf guy and he said i've never killed anybody that deserves to live and so i said i understand that there's some people on this earth that have no right breathing our air because of things they've done to others and I said, I understand.
0: Yeah, it's. But even by by making that statement, like there's layers to it when he says that. I
1: understand. Yeah, I I, I can pick up on that. That is yeah. that is a complete compartmentalization, and yeah. I respect it. And maybe that person employs that to make peace with it, and yeah. that's fine. And as a human being, that is fine with me. If that's the res- the the result, there's no criticism there. And you guys have done some amazing fucking things for the world. And you bear the burden and the weight of what you, you know, what your job was. Mm -hmm. And even me having some insight will never know how, what it feels like to walk around with that much fucking weight on your shoulders.
0: Yeah, I tell you, the only way to do it is to share with another human and God. Because if you just sit there and hold all that in, I tried. I tried. And then I'm staring at the end of a bottle or drugging, uh, or womanizing. And ultimately I think I I wanted someone else to kill me because I wasn't going to, my youngest is eight years old now. And she was born in a time where I truly believe that God knew that I was about to endure, you know, the hardest time of my life and my family's for that matter. And, um, I loved her more than I knew how to love myself. So I I told myself that now the line between hopelessness and crossing, there is no line into taking your own life. I, I just know I've felt that hopelessness feeling twice in these seven years. And, and since things really got really dark for me and, um, you know, that's what I needed at the time. I loved her more than I knew how to love myself. And that's what kept me on this earth. Um, but now i've i've learned how to love myself and and let go of of the burden um and and sharing it with with people of like mind and it isn't just like the my soft teammates it's it's people like you it's people there's there's a ton of other people it's on me to figure out who you know who i want to share these things with but but at the end of the day if the if the theme is like let's safeguard the innocence from having to to deal with it then let's if we're that person, if we can maintain a sense of self throughout that journey of doing that, then then let's do it. And this is how I'm continuing to serve um without necessarily risking my mind, body, or spirit to do it. Um, because people have asked me before, like, well, are you gonna go do contract work, you, you know, this, go get it on. I'm like, no, nope, No. I don't I if if I were if I felt like I needed to do those things, I would have just stayed doing them. And now um it's on me to I could have just dove deeper into my into my the self fucking uh self uh sabotage because it's, that's how it ended up man it manifested for me was self self sabotage. And I was just like, well, you know, I must just be more evil than the fuck faces that I've taken off of this earth. And and I didn't look the other way, right? So I then I just started acting like this disconnect, this monster. And in my, in my personal life and, and, um, and then not realizing the impact either directly, but more, more specifically indirectly that I'm having on those that I care about the most, my children, my wife. And I actually am extremely proud and it's taken and takes a ton of work to this day. The fact that I've been married to the same woman for 18 years and I left her twice. I I was in, full-on had my own house like we were done but the only thing that was keeping us together was our son I've raised since he was four so he would have got removed off of he was 22 now he was going to school at Florida State at the time and I was like well I won't finalize the the divorce because we had been it, it just a uh or whatever the the year separation time and I was like well I won't do it we won't like make it official on paper just so he doesn't get removed but the reality was is now nah, there was still some more growth that I needed to do and she needed to do to come back even stronger than than we ever w- would have or are now um but it's not too late right the way I showed up to for my kids it, it, it I used to crush myself and I would just push further away because I was like that's too late like I've already made these mistakes they've, they've seen me for this fraud that I am and and but all i can do i can still perform so i'm going to do that from a professional perspective so i went fucking full full gas that way and then everything just started to implode but it's not too late man i just got back from from a a week-long family vacation where everyone went like my 22 year old son my 17 year old daughter 16 year old daughter an eight year old daughter and my wife and and we were out with my brother's family out in san diego we Joshua Tree, Disneyland, like, fuck, I, I was in the car, I feel like, for the whole time. But it was a, it was like, and it was awful at times, because it was just like, oh, my God, it's hot. Oh, my God, it's cold. Oh, my God, it's fucking the music sucks. Oh, my God, uh, change this uh, the whole time. But looking back at that, it's just, I'm just so proud that from where I the, the depths of hell that I went to, like that how much joy I get out of those moments um, is powerful to me as a, as a human, as a father, as a husband. um, And just that work that it, that it takes to continue to do because there there's more, there's more for me to do. I just needed to see it. It just looks different.
1: Do your kids understand what you've been through and have compassion for how you acted? they really get it and have they forgiven you sounds like they have
0: i think that moments like that i just described help me believe that they that they, that i have truly been redeemed and and maybe they won't say they forgive me and I, maybe i need to apologize more specifically for 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 certain things as, as it as it comes to to my the front of my mind but the, but the, I, but i'll be there to do it I will always fucking be there. And because they they are everything to me.
1: You ever just look at your kids' eyes? Just look at them? Do it all the time? And just stare at their
0: eyes? It's It's the amount of joy that's behind those eyes that you're looking at sometimes trumps anything I've ever accomplished. And I can see that now. And, you know, I think, let's normalize that. I
1: think we are normalizing that. You got a Delta guy, essentially the guy that speaks on behalf of law enforcement for the country, guiding hundreds of thousands of people on how to live their life. And what we have found in these 40 years, essentially, give or take one on either side, of what's really going to matter as you continue to get older and have wisdom? How are you able to be vulnerable? How do you how do you get there with intention? Do you acknowledge your vulnerability and make sure that you are vulnerable to develop the relationships with your family and your kids? Because a very tough exterior, dude. You know,
0: the 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 number one thing that I can explain to people, and if I've, if I've ever been asked that. I go back to the roots touching fucking evil and to where i started to believe that i was just as evil or or more evil and that's not my truth my truth is 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 the opposite and what's the opposite of evil it's good if you believe in evil then you believe in good and we can't deny that the evil exists Right, so that mean good. That that mean that means that good does, and and good doesn't mean that I have to just run in and fucking shoot people in the face to get my own sense of self, because I'm struggling with my own self self esteem, my own, you know, I'm self confidence. Right, I'm getting it from external validation my whole life, and I'm done doing that now. So that it's almost like that's what, that's what powers and charges me and refills my cup, you know, cause I will give more than I have. I always, I've always been that way. Um, but now I'm just trying to balance that out, but, but to stay in that light. And I only do that by, by my actions, matching my words and my words being thoughtful and intentional and caring for others. Cause we were put on this earth to connect but for thousands of years we've been killing each other and like i said to to intimately take a human being's life if it's kill or be killed or i was told to kill this piece of fucking shit person i have to i am the one that has to live with that no one's going to come and fucking save me so i have saved myself from myself and given all that glory back to god and now that's that's what i'm going to continue to do
1: Are you uh, affectionate with your kids? You hug them and tell them you love them a lot. I can't stop telling them I love them and and hugging them and
0: and I I didn't think they would let me hug them again, like for 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 a long period. And you know, now it just it just it feels natural again, like because I I went away from it, like I pushed the other direction. I was like, oh, they they denied me. Oh, I got rejected, you know, so I was like, Ooh, I suck. And then I went, "Oh, I don't suck. I'm drinking. I'm fucking awesome. Look at me. Like, you know, it's a, it's very hollow. It's a, it's a facade or mask I was wearing for, for years. But now when those opportunities present themselves, the meaning, the depth of that connection is, is just so profound.
1: I, take every opportunity to hug, hug my kids as much as I possibly can. And um, when I hug them, I want them to feel what I feel inside and transfer back to them. You know, each of them hug differently. Each of them receive it differently. It's very, very interesting. And
0: isn't that, that's like the one of the most beautiful things of being a parent though. Is how their all their their needs are all so different, and and sometimes it's just your presence. Sometimes it's like you know, taking that an extra step. You know, it just depends on them. But but you see that as a father, and that's that tells me, well, I'm proud to know you, that you're paying attention to those things. Because, man, I I wish I had all those things as a kid, but I can I can give those things. I can be those things you know, now that I've, you know, gotten to this point. And um, those are those things that they'll, they'll appreciate more than words can ever describe.
1: I've been on this thing lately and trying to explain to people that it's been very comical because generally, believe it or not, all kids are different, but kind of all kids are the same at the same time. So there's this theme of I brought the kids to Disney. They didn't want to go even go to Disney. They wanted to like hang out in the water park at the hotel and or go in the pool. Like, and what this overall theme is, like, I'll say to my kids on a Saturday, I'm like, what do you guys want to do? Like, we want to go to Target and buy shit. They don't want to go to like surfing or whatever it may be that I have planned in my mind. And so, what that reveals to me is kids are far less complex than we think they are. And our solutions to being good parents are so much more simple than you think they are. Yeah. And it's probably just...
0: That's a profound big... statement. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I I, and I agree 100% with that. Because...
1: I think my kids happening. would rather spend two hours sitting on a couch with me than four hours at a park without me.
0: Dude, it's, it's one of those things, like... Because my wife and I talk about this, too. Um, I think through our own ways of... Um, like coping what like was to to try to like we need to go do this we need to go do that we we need to give them this we need to the reality of it is is it's way simpler than all of that they, that they is. just want, they want your presence you know it, it's it's pretty it's powerful man and yeah i'm just it's, i'm just really glad to still to have the clarity of mind now you know and um and to, and to take advantage of some of those opportunities man And that's all I want.
1: I just want them to tell their grand, to their kids, my grandkids, what I was like growing up with, because I wish I could report the same, but I can't. And neither can their mother. There is no conversation about how good it was when we grew up and what, what, what our parents were like. I actually don't even tell them what what my parents were like, because I don't think they need to know.
0: Yeah. That's powerful, man. Truly. Like it's good shit. That's anyway, just know that go the, the phases too, right? Like, your kids are at a really an awesome age and, uh, not that any age is, is not awesome, but just the phases you, that you go through. Cause I have older kids now too. And it's, uh, it's just, it's now it's just, it's that challenge of like how they, at the end of the day, like they just want me right. To be, to be present. Um, but then that vehicle may look different now, like you had said, um, I am aware people are
1: like, people are like, oh, wait till your daughter's 13. She's going to hate you. And I'm like, you know what? I'm already aware of what kids are going to go through at that age. So like I'm prepared mentally for when that comes. And so I'll adjust as she needs me to adjust as her father. And we're not going to be locking horns here, I can guarantee you. Uh, Mm -hmm. I will understand that she is going to have moments and things are going to happen in her body and my kids' bodies that that are going to make them act differently. And so knowing that and having good emotional intelligence going forward, I'm not going to fight with them over that cuz I'm an intelligent human being and I'm not a child who's raising a child. Yeah. And so That's what is your emotional tell people, "Oh, my daughter fucking hates me." Uh your daughter's just going through life. And yes, if you were taking this person, like you know I have an older brother who's significantly disabled, so sometimes got very bad emotional issues. And so there have been times in the past where his caretakers are like, he was calling me the N-word. He was calling me this. He was calling me that. And I'm like, you you realize you're dealing with somebody who's significantly disabled, right? Like, it's no different than if you went to a, a, a home where you everybody had Alzheimer's at one of these nursing homes. Would you be taking that? You know, or would you understand that what you're dealing with is something who's not well? And so, like, look at me and I'm like, you're taking something. Prior. Like, he doesn't learn that word from us. He's 40-something years old. He knows the word. He's been in this world. And so, well, the word is something that is not accepted in my house. We That word is just, there is no race conversations in my house. It's not how we do not judge people that way. That is not how life works the Bino household. And I'd be fucking embarrassed if any of those words ever came out of my kids' mouths with intention that they heard from their parents. It is 100% against the rules. And we don't cast judgment on anybody on the way they want to live their life or what they look like. You want to put a dress on and call yourself something else? God bless, it has nothing to do with me or vice versa. I hope that you're a great human, you know, as long as you're a good human being, I don't care how you feel or want to live your life. But with that being said, I'm emotionally intelligent enough to understand what I'm dealing with. And if so, if this person's going to have a nest. And you know, like, like, I also understand that at some point the birds leave the nest. Yeah. And I'm just hoping that uh, they allow the big bird to come and see their nest more often than not. Because, dude, I'm a very involved father. And I hope that, and I can give them guidance on making wise choices with their, whoever they're going to marry or be with. Or if they're not going to get married and, and, you know, that they're not going to choose with, with they're, they're going to choose wisely who these people are going to. And I'm gonna get, I'm gonna see them in the relationships and try to give them guidance, but not tell them what to do. Nope. Hey, you know? Oh, with your daughter brings home a douchebag. Yeah, I brought home douchebags too. She's gotta go through it like I gotta go through it. Oh, what happens when this one has, starts having sex? Like, so we're allowed to do that, but your kids aren't, right? Like your kids are gonna be sexually active. Like, accept it. Talk about the it. Biggest,
0: them- the biggest blessing with all of that is is just be grateful and, and appreciative of the fact that you're even in like you're even in that picture, like because they could hide all of that shit from you.
1: Yeah, no, I and don't want to hide. Dude. Within,
0: within reason, but it, it's um, it's I, I guess for me, like it, I I'm just more careful of the words that I just throw around, um, because that's not the way I, I was when they were younger. Um, but I've also like personally grown a fuck ton, and emotionally, and you know, it, it's. And spiritually, and, and I'm not going to push any one of those things. I'm just the, the actions piece, right? Like they're going to see my words ma- matching the actions and, and then they're going to, if they came to me with, with something like that, like I'm going to be so first and foremost, beyond grateful that they're coming to me, you know, to, to share something. I'm,
1: I mean, the idea of when I hear somebody say like, yeah, when my daughter brings a guy, I'm going to clean my gun on the table. Like, you know, that's somebody else's kid coming over to bring your daughter out. Just so we're clear, that's somebody's son mm-hmm. that you're going to start imposing threats upon their kids. Like, they're experiencing dating. They're young. If this is how it goes now, then so be it. Uh, you just give your kids guidance, and hopefully they listen to some of your stuff. And to be honest with you, yeah, you don't need details of your kid's sex life at some point. And again, I'm going say kids. I'm talking about adult children. I'm talking about, like, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, I would certainly hope that my children would not be hesitant to tell me that, like, you yeah, know I. I did have sex with her, or I did have sex with him, um, and and for them to know that I'm not going to fly off the handle, and to understand that that's a part of life, and so you know it like I know it. I'm fucking 41. You want to fucking demonize and 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 like that? You're. You, what do you think your kids are going to grow up as when you you can't even have the conversation? It's so. It's, you're you're so like. You may get lucky, maybe your daughter, but. You know, maybe your son, but you know, you're asking for trouble. You do that to these kids. I'm telling you, you ask you're asking a, for trouble.
0: I had a conversation with, um, my oldest daughters recently. And, um, they actually said some shit to me that I was like, damn, that's, uh, for one, I was just like, made me think. I was like, well, the, well a couple things. Like she, she simply said like, you know, why don't you buy flowers for mommy or mom? She said wow. like, mom. Why don't you buy, why don't you buy flowers for mom? Like, why wouldn't you, why don't you date? Why don't you do these things for mom? They're
1: like, teaching don't you, you.
0: Don't, don't you want to show me what a good example is? Like, uh, as a, as a, as a, as a guy or a man As a husband, right? Yeah. And I was just like, first of all, damn, because. Did you was, say that to
1: them? Like, did you, did you tell yeah, me you got me?
0: Yeah. I told them. That's I was like, good. I was like, thank you because that was just a great reminder that that job's never done you know and life damn sure gets in the middle of it but but they're paying attention to those things and I I I just didn't there was a couple things to that I didn't the fact that they were looking to me to to try to set an example of who they who they would want to date is is growth man for me because I think I'm, I'm more coming out of that whole, like I was showing them an example of someone, I wouldn't want them anywhere, now anywhere around. Um, and I treated their mother like that and through our separations and, and, and those situations and, and they, they weren't just like one day, it was like a year, you know? And so the fact that that I can be redeemed I can now it's like oh shit I need to be doing I need to be doing these things because they're it's not too late like they're they're paying attention to those things and they still look up to me um I know it's like well no shit Kyle uh I'm telling you right now that like that was one of the most profound kind of engagements or in, uh interactions that I've had as a, as a father trying to trying to set an example for as a reminder to to, to set that example um from a who they would want to date kind of perspective cuz i th- i thought i was like they're going to go the opposite of everything i do now like regardless they're going to go that way but that's just not the case so um it's somebody it's did the lives, something it's right lies right. you tell yourself man it's the lies somebody you tell did something
1: you right. right and something like you know it just goes to show you like how amazing your kids can be even when you fuck up and how they find their own way and to kind of really start to embrace and embody the human being that they like the most about them yeah. and so somebody did something right there you yeah, know no, I, I
0: don't it's i think it's a testament of um the, the the covenant that we my wife and i had before and how much work before the darkness metaphorically and physically like took over you know i idolizing other things and you know it truly is because they didn't go the other way they didn't act out like if anything they they focused on academia and and um sports and you know but each individually you know dealing with it their own way and now you know now it's an opportunity for me to like step up and and truly it's just i'm just i don't know i i I lack the 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 vocabulary for it but i'm just grateful grateful for 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 that
1: I think today's lesson, although there's many, is it's never too late to make up for lost time and why forfeit more time when it can be captured. And so you will be able to leave this world knowing that you made up for it and you're making up for it and you didn't continue on with the mistake when you recognized you could make a change. And that's powerful stuff. And you should be proud of what you've become. And I'm sure they're proud of you and thankful that you're back. And it's not your fault, dude. And I'm sure you've been told that a thousand times by your therapist, but it's just not your fault. You've worked with what you had. You did something very valiant. You didn't know the baggage it came with. And once you recognized that you, what it was, you were man enough to fucking make a change and step the fuck up and be vulnerable. And become the man you needed to be, and it's a, it's real, it's real, um,
0: real admirable. It's a really nice job. Oh, thank you very much. I got to piss. Yeah, man. that has been a great talk, brother.
1: Yeah, I had a great time, dude. And um, it's five twenty-five, and I got to go home beat my kids.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I hear you, man. Yo, you if you need anything, me you me have, me you have
1: thing. my cell phone number, right?
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: Anything you need, dude, and uh, we'll do this again.
0: Yeah. Well, I appreciate. So,
1: Anything you need from me, dude? Even if you need somebody to reach out to and talk to, I'm always available.
0: I appreciate that.
1: Is there anything you wanted to plug on here, too? Where they could find some of your stuff and you on social media? No, I'm good. All right. I fucking love it, dude. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> uh, dude, hopefully one day we get together in person and no, fucking we'll... chop it up we'll... and shoot the shit.
0: No, we will for sure. All right. If I come up there, or... yeah, we'll, we'll make it happen.
1: Dude, just call. Like I'm just one of those guys that... I'll make it work. I promise. I got a good support system on the other side of things. I'll make it fucking work.
0: I appreciate it, man. Bro, I'll talk to you. All right, man. Take care.
1: Hey, guys, check out our upcoming training at StreetCop.com. Don't forget, we have 50 instructors nationally teaching a variety of topics. These are the best classes you're going to experience in your career. We make sure of it. You're going to love it. I guarantee you you're going to be thankful that you went. Check us out at StreetCop.com for all upcoming classes in your area.